detention veterans, and everyone who's ready to change their lives. Welcome to the Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. Join your host, Marine Corps-trained motivator, Christina Silva, as she connects with experts, innovators, and military heroes. Now, let's get started. Here is Christina Silva. America, there is so much to tell you about each and every trailblazing guest that comes on to the Christina Silva Show with the heart to help us continue educating our veterans live. And today I am so honored to have met many, many amazing comrades of mine at this 2023 iconic Mr. and Mrs. Military pageant. This gentleman is known for his dreams because at the age of seven, he knew he wanted to become not only a cinematographer, but he put his life on the line and served our United States Army for 10 years. Now, we know that military members are special. We sign up for duty and to serve and to become a target on the battlefield willingly. And some of us, like our special guest, are willing to give it all even to become a paratrooper and to hold many billets that will soon turn into stories we'll be watching on the big screen. It is such a great and indubitable honor to invite Jordan Michael Martinez to the Christina Silva Show. Jordan, welcome. Hi, Hi. thank you for having me, Christina. Appreciate this. Oh my goodness, you have an amazing bio. I just want to look down and share some of your accolades with our audience because for all of the years, our show has been dedicated to telling the stories of men and women in arms and those in uniform and those that are lost and also experts from the world of clinicians and people that love American patriotism and new patriotism and charity. It is my honor to share that after years of serving, you decided to work toward being a commissioned officer in our United States Army. So we're going to tell our audience today about the cost of freedom and about Operation Enduring Freedom. And we'll also share about your privileges to host an event called the Endowed Chair of the USC Arts Program. At USC, for veterans, we want the world of civilians and military members to know that the LA Collaborative at USC with the top tier scientists, the people that attend the meetings on our behalf fight for our rights, and they innovate and create treatments through the arts that help us. So I am so happy that you and I met and we're also members together at Post 43 Hollywood American Legion where our start in film and television is actually therapy. Jordan, you are so amazing. For in 2019, right before the pandemic struck, you still persevered and completed your master's degree at USC Cinematic Arts Production Program. And during your education, you developed into this amazing, confident person, and you've created and played parts in many film and television projects we're going to see in the near future. But one we're going to talk about today, you should be proud of, is called the gatekeeper. And also, we're going to talk about your amazing rig where you create these films. We'll share with the world your cinematic reel, your new website, and what's to come. Because after a life serving in U.S. Special Forces, there's a lot to learn on this episode of The Christina Silva Show. We always start out with a few announcements, so I would love for you to tell me who was on your arm at the 2023 Mr. and Ms. Military Pageant in honor of Women's History Month. Share with us, Jordan. Oh, yes. That was uh, my friend Amber um, Martinez, same last name. Uh, <laughs> she's an actress here in Los Angeles. So, yeah, she came came down for the event. Um, yeah, nice person. 
Yes. What would you say about women in film with all we know about searching for equality in the ranks? Because when we don our uniforms to serve our country, we are trained to become one joint task force, one team, one fight, one mission, right? And I learned from Ms. Amber Martinez, the director, producer, writer, actress, and artist, that her whole family actually served in the military or is currently working in federal government agencies to also protect our freedoms. And we love our dependence of the military. What do you think is special about Amber's perspective as you all shared that night and she attended as a special guest? What do you think she learned from the veteran contestants and active duty contestants in the showcase? Hmm. Uh, well, I think she she realized that there's a lot of diversity and different types of veterans in the in the armed forces. You know, uh, there was everywhere from Air Force, Navy, Army, and Marine Corps, of course, and they all have their own cultures. You know, in the beach branches, uh, they attract certain different types of people as well. Generally speaking, not not saying anything, but the you know the Marine Corps is. <laughs> this is a cult, um, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I mean, she got to see different types of people that, uh, you know, that, that come to and that the lot actually work in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Um, and that uh, become pro athletes and this and that. Sure. And they do extraordinary things. I think that's oh probably goodness. something she wasn't. She's known for quite a recent accomplishment as the Jesus Revolution actress. And we'll be able to see that film on the big screen. It's still in local theaters near you. Tell me about your army service when you grew up, why you chose the army, and the special camaraderie you knew you could count on with your counterparts that were in your battalion or squadron. Yeah, so I joined the Army at 17. Uh, it's 2008, and uh, I'm originally from Southern California. Uh, I joined uh, mainly because I saw my sister. Women's history up there, you know, there's a woman that um, that I saw, that she joined the Army right there. Um, yeah, I actually saw her, you know, get into the uniform um, when I was about 15 years old. She brought a lot of friends around her that were in the military that had been, you know, overseas and stuff like this. This was during you know uh 05 in iraq so it was getting very dicey over there mm. <clears throat> and um you know just seeing her and and being proud of her and seeing what she was doing with the military i actually have a lot of people in my family that are military um my sister was in the army my brother or sorry my uncle was in the army um and then my grandparents on my mom's side met in the air force oh um and then my nephew is in Guantanamo Bay at this moment, actually. So mm -hmm. it's a second um, tour, I guess you could say, down there in, in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's been doing this for a while. I, and then he's younger than me, of course. And I told him that he should join the Army. So I was a lot more direct than probably anybody was to me. You know, I was like, hey, you know, you should really do this. You should really do this. And it took him until he was about 21 to do it. But better late than never, you know, he still yes. chose the best branch and, you know, that's great and everything. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, no, uh, he's, he's a great guy. And, um, my sister actually, she, she got out soon after, but she was an MP and then my nephew was an MP. So yeah, I guess oh she was goodness. a woman that motivated me to join the military, you know, yes. really young. Speaking of which, my goodness, there's your first female accolade for Women's History Month, your very own sister and all of your family. We salute you for your service. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough, actually. What <laughs> did you major in? What was your military occupational specialty? And why did yeah. you jump out of planes for us? 
So, okay, so I actually came in to the military with a super Pogue MOS, and don't be offended for this, you know, okay. wild language. Uh, Pogue is person other than Grunt, if you guys don't know. I came in as a 92 Yankee because I wanted to uh, get in and out, right? I, I was very uneasy about joining the military. My dad didn't want me to. My mom was uneasy about it. You know, they, they really didn't want me to. They did sign off for me. But they put a lot of fear into my head, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then twenty thousand dollars at the maps table, mm. and you know, if, if you know, if you ever join the military, they keep you super secluded. You can't have your cell phone. And I was like, and I saw the jobs they were offering me, and you know, I, I saw MP on there. My sister was an MP, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do the same thing she does, just because you know, I, I don't, you know, I was young and I know anything really too too much about the military so i joined 92 yankee i got twenty twenty thousand dollars to do it so i was like, okay cool i'll i'll and, and i mainly saw i know this is crazy but i saw where ait was going which was in virginia and i was like oh i want to go to virginia because i had never really been to the east coast I, I actually had never crossed the mississippi as a child so i was like okay well you know i want to travel i want to see things and this and that. that was my main thing for joining the military so anyways long story short i joined become a 92 Yankee and I freaking hated it I thought it was just <laughs> not for me and I wanted to jump out of planes I talked to some friends and they're like hey we're jumping out of planes we're rucking we're doing all this and I was like well where the heck are you guys out and they're like well we're in civil affairs and I and you know <clears throat> went to basic training with these people and I was like what the heck is the civil affairs and so I that's how I, I actually applied to switch units and it took quite a bit of time. It took me it took me about a year to to get out of being a ninety Yankee and reclass uh, mm. into civil affairs, go to airborne school. Um, I had an interview to get into the unit and this and that. And anyways, I ended up doing it. And the great thing about ninety Yankee is the only thing I'll say positive about that MOS is that you can go to other <laughs> different units very <laughs> easily. So I got out of that as, as quick as I possibly could from day one. I, you know, I got to my duty station. And I was like, all right, well, how do, how do I get out of this job? So, you know, I was much happier in civil affairs. It was, it was much better for me. Um, I was jumping all the time. It was, it was fun. We did a lot of physical activity. It was more like uh, the closest thing you would have to being inf infantry without being infantry. Um, and we got to play by our own rules. Uh, I deployed to Afghanistan when I was 21. Um, went over there for uh, Operation Enduring Freedom. I was mainly in Kandahar province, Afghanistan, and did a lot of patrols, uh, worked a lot with 2nd Infantry Division, uh, some with 82nd Airborne Division. And uh, when you're civil affairs, you're attached to a unit. You're a small unit team, and you have either four or less man team. So you have usually you have one officer, one uh, sarge, uh, NCO, that's like an E6, um, team sergeant. And then you usually have two lower, uh, lower enlisted people that do all the real work. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. That I got a lot out of that. And then we, you know, we get a chapter to infantry or special forces or whatever. Wow. Um, you know, we're not special forces. We're not infantry. But we do the same patrols if you're attached to them, yes. you know, and then you do your atmospherics, you do your reports, you essentially, uh, in some cases, you give money 
to certain projects mm-hmm. at the time when I was there in, in Kandahar, it was more giving money to certain projects, whether it be wells, schools, this and that, um, atmospherics, trying to figure out like how, how the U S can get, um, better optics on themselves, how we can look like, you know, essentially in short, good, good guys. And we don't want to have any bad blood. So for instance, somebody would have gotten killed. They would want to connect with a civil affairs um, department, you know, people or team and make a claim and be like, Hey, you you killed my dad. You know, um, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of phony claims, you know, there's a lot of bull, excuse me, there's a lot of bad claims that are fraudulent. <laughs> and so, they all, you know, we have to try to figure that out. Um, one thing that I, I saw that, you know, is real is there's a lot of schools and stuff like that that are just built. And, you know, the, the village elders, unfortunately, will say they need it. And will us or, the, or Canada or <clears throat> whatever will get duped into paying like essentially their friends to construct it and then it will just sit there and be an empty building there's a lot of that going on it's essentially you know like a scam you know it's like a bribe in a way um so that was really sad to see you know i saw a lot of what we call the ghost schools uh, that were built from other deployments and stuff like that And, and you know the united states wanted to help them and be like hey we're gonna construct this thing and then they would just just not take care of it and it would just be trashed and we'd be like wow that was a lot of you know money that went nowhere you know and we're using our money united states money to essentially you know build these countries anyways um you know not to get into that wormhole but um it was it was a great experience Uh, i got home i was 22 and then um i i was training to become a i wanted to become a uh infantry officer right that was what i wanted to do when i got out so i was criminal justice and i went to cal state fullerton um because i had a good police criminal justice program and uh crazy story but i actually was i was going to do the rotc thing and i was going to be like a couple years ahead and I actually twisted my ankle like two days before the PT test. Oh I was skateboarding and I f- completely like screwed up my ankle. And a couple other things happened that are, are kind of a little bit personal. But I decided, you know, I was like, why am I doing this when the wars are like winding down? At that point, they were getting close to, to ending. And I was seeing that when I was over there in 2012, you know, people were you know, pretty much packing up bases and stuff like that at certain levels and planning to, to exit. And I was like, why am I doing this and like putting all my, you know, thought and, and life and doing the military? I love the military. It'll always be a part of who I am. But I'm like, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And so I was like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm still young. I still got a lot of energy. And maybe this is like some sort of sign to like, move on you know so obviously my my ankle is twisted and like i couldn't do pt and all this stuff and i was like you know what i'm gonna switch it to film i switched it to film i met some people on set one being a veteran named jennifer marshall and she's like hey you should go to this organization called the vme 
or sorry, at the time it was called the VFT, which is the Veterans in Film and Television. So I went to that organization. I met a bunch of people. You know, we drank. I was still young. You know, I was still into uh, drinking a lot. I don't drink any alcohol now. But I was, you know, partying with these people and getting to know them and socializing and whatnot. And then they invite me to movie sets. Um, you know, at, at one project in particular, um, I was the only active duty paratrooper. So I'm still reserve at this point, right? So I was still jumping actively uh, out of planes. And so I showed the whole team. I showed the whole set. Uh, they had a celebrity there, and it was a television show and all this other stuff. I, I, we had a fake air, you know, a, a hollowed out aircraft with green screen in there. And they had a fan, and, you know, they were trying to recreate oh, a goodness. airborne scene. And I, I, you know, I wasn't the military advisor, but I knew everything and they didn't know anything, you know, cause they weren't <laughs> airborne. So I was like, Hey, you need to, this is how you wear the parachute. This is how you hook up. This is how you do this. This is how you walk. This is how you shuffle. This is this, you need to have this, you know, 64 paratroopers, you know, what, you know, all the technical things that, you know, like borderlines, like what a jump master would know and then how to jump out of the plane and blah, 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 blah. Right. So I they were very impressed by that. And I busted my butt. And so they invited me to be a production assistant. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is like, I guess this is a good thing because I busted my butt. So anyway, so they invited me to do that. And so I started working on television shows. I started PAing. I started wearing little walkie talkies, you know, doing this and that. It's really being like an E1 again in the, the film business. Sure. Yeah. And I really learned very quickly that it's all about time, you know, and I mean, you know, everything's all about time you know every business is about preserving time but it's very much like a military it's very much like a hierarchy it's very much you know they actually use a lot of the similar you know uh, radio <clears throat> call signs and stuff like that uh that that emulate the military and uh, so I, I just became very good at it and i picked it up right away and i was like okay this is this is not what i want to do in this position of course i want to be there <laughs> but you know uh, you know, so I just got an understanding of the business in, in, a, in a greater realm while I was still going to college. I was doing music videos. I worked with uh, Mr. Capone, oh, um, wow. rapper. I'm actually in one of his videos called Thank You. It's very cringy, uh, cheesy. <laughs> uh, I don't recommend watching it. It's not my, like, you know, I'm not promoting it. So I'm not, you know, whatever. But it was a great experience to, to do that. The videos got, like, I think, like 800,000 hits or whatever and then um and then i worked with a gentleman called brenton wood who does uh, all these songs just give me some kind of song girl oh my baby just show me that you're mine girl all right so that's his claim to fame he was a billboard artist and um you know so i, I did his music video and so i really started getting traction and stuff and and you know networking and just you know i was all into it right um so at the point at at the time I was I was living in LA and uh, you know pretty much finished Cal State Fullerton. <clears throat> then I got accepted into doing workout videos. So I did workout videos for about Yay. six months. Um, uh, I did one first uh, uh, show called Sweat Inc with Jillian Michaels Sweat Inc, and that was an awesome experience, a, a really really cool experience. That's where I was probably like one of one of one of the funnest experiences I've ever. All I had to do was work out show up to like set and you know 
collect a check and I get all my food and it was a fun thing. You know, I was working out and then I got onto the next one almost about two weeks later. Um, all I had in between was an AT annual training at Camp Pendleton. Oh I went to Camp Pendleton God. for two weeks and then Dang. I had a break and I went right into the next workout video show, which was with Tony amazing. Horton. So what I Tony Horton. you is the way that you have been able to utilize your career and understand the benefits of Army Reserve time. I have to let the audience know exactly yeah. your pathway to success and the hard work it took to orchestrate that process. But if you just go to a Cal State school and you're in the army, they pay for that education. And you can find out what is not your cup of tea. Even when you're in the military, you've taught us how you changed actually your specialty. And then you used networking at an ancillary agency and got into the sphere of influence with people that you get along with that are military veterans. And that made you become the person that they needed because you were on active duty, which then gave you the lead into becoming your own director actor, you know, you're leading, you're casting, you're doing everything you ever wanted to do. So in those solid 10 years, you would give credit to the army for the techniques they trained you to find inside yourself. And then you became unique. That persona is the Jordan Michael Martinez. I, I wanted to give you an amazing compliment about your stature, your presence. And I know inside your demeanor today, there's a charitable heart that I want to talk to you about in the second half of the show. But I want to make sure the audience understands that Cammy's two civvies, being in uniform and then being a civilian, that's a dual role. And you're living that life still today while you're on the show right at this moment. You've got the military background, you've got the film career going, but you can use all of those memories and your deployments and, and things to create stories that come onto the film set and onto your camera screen isn't that true yeah it's very true and um yeah as soon after this music video phase i got accepted to usc and uh that was when i was sort of known as the military film guy in the in the program wow. so usc at the time i went uh was very hard to, it still is very hard to get into for the uh, cinematic arts program they say it's as hard to get into as harvard law and um, there's about, I think it was like 60 people in each cohort at that point. So I, I honestly was so surprised that I got in. I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> like, okay, like, I'm, you know, I'm not from like some, <laughs> you know, big rich family or whatever. So I was like, okay, so I got in yeah. and um, I went really hard into that program. I did a lot of uh, stuff and I was known as doing more military stuff. And, and it really came to me. And like what you're talking about is I didn't go in there being like, oh, I want to do military stuff. That wasn't my agenda. But I made some military content and people really responded positively to it. And then I noticed looking around, I was the only military guy in my cohort, period. And there was, you know, the next cohort, there was maybe like, you know, someone that was Navy and, you know, sure. didn't, didn't deploy or something like this. And they mm -hmm. weren't really doing military stuff. So I was like, shoot, like, I'm the only one that's like, you know, really doing this stuff and that yeah. knows this stuff. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is where maybe I should go 
to that direction. You know what I mean? That's true. You found it like innate naturally, right? It's organic the way it happened. It was. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not to say I, yeah, not to say I do things that are not, that are just military. I do tons of things that are not military. I I, I don't want to be blocked in. I know how to do film of all different types of nature, but that's kind of what I stuck to um during that time period and um you know i mean i learned a lot and i started i think i told you this maybe i didn't but this is where i started really learning about cinematography was in usc um i I went to usc thinking okay i'm gonna be a writer director that's that's all i want to do that's all i want to do um but you're in that program i was in there for four years oh i was there for four years full time right so it was um it was a lot um and i had a great production gigs on the side too i did sometimes take some production gigs yeah sometimes i did yeah absolutely um you know i lived very close to hollywood i still knew people yeah i was taking gigs that i could certain semesters are more heavier than others uh like the first two and the last one the last two year Uh, you know so it, it, it comes in between i was also in the reserve at this point so in the summers, I was flying to Japan, where I was at uh, Yokota Air Base. Yeah. And, um, you know, I made some great friends over there that I've known for, for a long time. They were Air yeah. Force and, you know, it was, climbed Mount Fuji. I did all sorts of cool things in Japan. Loved it out there. And, um, you know, when I finished my reserve time, I actually, that was the last year of my uh, degree as well. Yeah. But, yeah, so I... I I learned cinematography there ultimately because they didn't have the cameras. <laughs> they don't let you get the cameras at USC, the ones that you want until right. pretty much like kind of your upper level production classes. And I was like, you know what? I want my own camera because I don't want to be at the whim of other people. And that, that's one thing that they taught me, you know, that's what like, you know, cause they're a huge, bureaucracy at USC. you know, you got to have your, this, you got to have your sign this and then you got blah 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 and you know that, that takes a lot of time and i'm like okay well i want to have my camera to shoot what i want when i want how i want it and so i bought a blackmagic earth mini pro and that camera served me for a long time all through usc and it was my introduction into owning cinema cameras um so i would go i I made relationships with rental houses i figured out because you know you can't buy everything like you can't buy the lenses lenses are (laughs) oh yeah the lenses can go infinitely expensive so i i didn't really have any lenses so you know i would have to rent them and you know they're not that expensive to rent certain cheap ones like you know i think i was paying like 25 bucks per prime lens or something like that it was it was something in, in in realistic uh budget and so I made friends with rental houses and they gave me good deals and I just kept going with that, learning how to shoot my own stuff. That being said, I still had cinematographers, you know, shoot for me from time to time. Uh, you know, if I was directing something that was very, very significant and big, uh, then I would, you know, I would still want to have a cinematographer just focus on being on being that. Yeah. But anyways, so uh, I graduated USC 2019, right before the pandemic. Uh, I made this film that took a year to make called The Gatekeeper. Um, it was a war movie. Um, I got um, some money from Robert Rodriguez's uh, scholarship. 
Mm-hmm. So he gave me some money for that. I got a lot of different people to support me. And um, especially around the, the Hollywood veteran community. And it was, it was, a, it was a huge undertaking to make that film. Uh, it's, it's, it has a, you should, I encourage people to check it out. They can they actually, you can just see it on my website, www.jordanmichaelmartinez.com. And uh, if you scroll down to the bottom, you can see it's uh, the gatekeeper there. You can check it out. Um, but anyways, that really helped me to be my, uh, you know, promotion for me as a filmmaker and showing people what I could do. And I learned a lot about special effects doing that. I was the visual effects supervisor and I was one of the only people at USC who ever, uh, was able to pre-visualize their entire film before pre-visualization is something that is reserved for like Lord of the Rings or Avatar or what it is. Essentially you're building your movie in a video game. Oh, okay. So you're building all the sets in like a 3d realm and then you take a camera in the 3d realm and you're able to figure out all the shots you want (laughs) dolly you know Mm -hmm. panning zooming in you know whatever however you know all the different spaces and you plan it all out you film the movie before you film the movie and then you have actors actually play it all out they have like these sensors on them and if you don't know a lot of people in the film industry are, you know they're like oh pre-visualization i know what that is it's like it's like a a, a storyboard on steroids so i was able to do that and i was the first person at usc to ever have done that period so i was very proud of that it was very 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 difficult and i did have people help me i had a team of people help me you know it was, it was not something i did all by myself and then um so anyways i graduated 2019 and the pandemic hit, and I was working for a company that, uh, you know, I was doing editing for and some cinematography, and it was, you know, I was all cooped up inside, and I didn't like being cooped up inside. And that's when I really realized that I am not a, um, I'm, I'm not an editor. I'm not someone that just stays at home and, and can do that. Like, yeah, I'm somebody that's out there. Let's just like, repeat that one more time, Jordan. Yeah. You know who you are, and the gift and talent that you have is to find a, another way, find, find another route to perform in your actual talent. You don't give up. You yeah. just find another route. I want to encourage the audience and have you yeah. say that again. There's always a will and there's always a way when your intentions are good and you know that your purpose is one way because whatever happens with the result of what your films will be storytelling it's going to be more powerful when you're in your zone. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I encourage if you're, yeah, absolutely. If you're, if you're, I mean, if you have the ability to shift away from something that you're not super passionate about, don't get me wrong. I still edit. I know how to edit. I edit in DaVinci Resolve all the time, but I edit projects that I, I have shot or that I'm passionate about editing. And I don't do that on a constant basis. You know, it's, I pick and choose, right? Um, but ultimately it's, you know, I don't want to be sitting at a computer all the time. It's not like my forte. I want to be out there on set and I want to be doing the the fun stuff in my opinion. That's fun to me. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, I shied away from that. Um, I, I left that after working for them for a, a little while. And then, um, I, I started working freelance. Uh, I got onto the set that's actually playing at the GI film festival. Oh, wow. It's called 27 Minutes of Sante. 
It's about the Sante Raider raid in Vietnam. And mm -hmm. I shot a reenactment for that. And uh, I shot uh, it over there in Arizona in Maricopa. And at that point, I really got comfortable with being a cinematographer. And I really realized it was, it was a dark shoot. You know, we had to have uh, an 18K and we had to have, you know, freaking some high speed union grips and all this stuff. And I just really, you know, kind of like doing it in a professional sense. Well, that was kind of like my, you know, it was kind of one of my like opportunities to be a DP in like a bigger scale, you know, with a bigger budget. And I was like, you know, I'm pretty freaking okay at this. You know what I mean? And I knew what, I, yeah, I knew what I was doing, you know, and it, it just like a lot to do with it, you know, like believing in yourself and having people trust you and be on your team. You keep mentioning, you know, you had the support of a lot of veteran filmmakers and industry professionals. They trusted you because it takes a village, right? It takes a tribe yeah. to do what you're doing, but you still have to believe in yourself that you are that DP. You are that writer. I honestly, you know, I, I hate to say it and it's been said, I'm sure a million times better ways, but you do got to trust your instincts. Um, yes. You know, you have people like whether they be, you know, employers or, or whatever, unless they physically force you to go against your instincts and they're like, no, like, yeah, and this happens a lot in film business, right? The whole Zack Snyder Justice League thing, you know, they took over that whole film. Mm. I, you know, I'm not, I don't know the whole story, but ultimately uh, I, I hear that the Zack Snyder film was way better than the studio one that they took and manipulated. So yeah, it goes the same way. Like you need to like, you know, Zack Snyder's vision carried out probably was a lot better than, you know, the, the stuff that they just kind of mesh together. And I agree with that. You got to trust your instinct if you can, but you got to understand sometimes you're not the, you know, the guy at the high table, you know, as yeah. the DP, there is a hierarchy It's the director. Mm -hmm. You know, and if the director or it could be even the producer, you know, if they say something that has to do with budgetary things. And this is something, you know, I mean, you do hear about when you're in college or whatever. But it's another thing when you're actually doing it and you're talking with them and you're like, hey, I need this. And they're like, well, you know, we don't have money for it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. OK, well, all right. Well, <laughs> in this case, then. Then we need to do this. You know, it's not going to be as good and it's going to be harder on us and it's not going to be yeah. as good potentially, but yeah. you know, that's long, the way to do it. Hours with your team to produce movies sometimes take one, two, three years to make. And why I want to commend you again is because physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually, you are well. Attention veterans, are you ready to be your own boss? It's time to launch your own ideas into reality. Discover your clean writing style. Gear up with Marine Corps trained motivator, Christina Silva. Christina is a positive energy promoter with a special gift in connecting with innovators. Get the Military Heroes 411 and glean from experts every week by listening to The Christina Silva Show. We're educating our veterans live on The Christina Silva Show, live at 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
You're listening to The Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. If you'd like to call in during our live show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. For more information about the show, email crsprods at gmail.com. That's crsprods at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. I saw you lifting a hundred pounds doing your presses to get ready in the gym. I also saw you in your uniform looking so sweet and precious from 18 to 22 years old. And your guns are like both my thighs put together on one of your arms lifting. So tell me how important the gym is to you because all that you've told me from being a paratrooper jumping out of planes to being an acclaimed cinematographer on the rise to a bodybuilding cut up, ripped up voice it all landed you on the stage at the Mr. and Mrs. Military Pageant. So tell me about bodybuilding, how that helps you really stay yeah. fit to do your cinematography. And then tell me about your experience of becoming contestant in the sure. pageant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been working out my entire life. Uh, my dad used to play for the University of Hawaii. Uh, he's, he's Mexican. He's not Hawaiian. But he was an all-star athlete. Um, he's a great man. I love him. And he still works out all the time. He's 75 years old. Oh He's in there like old school Arnold Schwarzenegger status. Um, and he taught me from a very young age and instilled into me physical fitness. Um, me, he would take me and my sister when we were about, God, maybe like 10 years old. We were not like supposed to be in the gym. Um, but, you know, he knew he was a regular there. And so he'd be like, oh, okay, you know, like. Welcome to yeah, daycare just, in the gym. Just right? <laughs> let them, you know, mess around. And, and honestly, I don't even remember going to like the kids center. Like we would just hang around the equipment and do shit like, sorry, excuse me, stuff like that. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was something that I, I got instilled into me at a very young age. And I started lifting weights probably, probably either 11 or 12. And I was doing like the machines and, you know, seeing my dad and, you know, just kind of kind of like messing around in the gym. And then I started watching other people and I started taking to it and I started liking it. And before that, um, I, I should mention that I was a chess player. So oh I goodness. I was a very accomplished chess player. So when I was in elementary school, I actually used to compete in competitive chess. I used to tour around the Western United States. And I actually was placed one in my great division within the Western Mississippi. Um, so I won an enormous tournament in, in Phoenix, Arizona when I was like, I think about seven years old. Um, and then I really just said, I think I want to move on. I didn't really see anything. I, I, and I was too young at the time, but I didn't see where this could take me. I probably could have, I probably could have kept on that train for a long time, but I decided to, to get off that train at that point. I had a room full of trophies, completely everywhere, of chess. Um, but I think I really play? got influenced. What's up? What's and up? you still play? Just chess? for fun. Not, not, not as a I tournament see. chess player, which I was uh, playing as a tournament chess player there. I, was, I belonged to a club. Like, I was, I was all in it. Like, I would record every single game. Just like Queen's Gambit, you know, you see with the clock and all that stuff. And, you know, if I either I won or I lost a game, I would go to my chess master and we would play the entire game all over again to figure out either A, how do I defeat them sooner, or B, 
how do I get out of the, the checkmate situation that, you know, how do I win if I lost or whatever? Um, I actually got to play Screech from Saved by the Bell. Oh. Um, he would come to our chess center. I swear to God. Yep. I love I that very show. young. Um, yeah, I think he's deceased now, um, yes. if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, not to get into that. So I started playing soccer um, after Wait, that. Do you have I, started... I, do. I do have them. My mom has them. I don't have them, yeah. but yeah, I have I have the I have the important ones. I actually yeah. threw away a lot of them, but um, yeah, I have I have like the big one that I won from Arizona and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, anyways, I from there I played soccer, played flag football, and um, yeah, I never was like an all star athlete like my dad in my youth or anything like that. He he was uh, you know he lived. Uh, he, he, how do I explain this? <laughs> I lived with my mom for most of the time and he kind of came and picked me up. They were divorced. So he didn't really have a whole lot of time to like push sports on me. So I, I really just wasn't like an all-star athlete like him, but I joined the army when I was 17. He wasn't in the military. And then that's why I feel like I got more into physical fitness. You know, I started seeing that, like, it, it's almost like a, how do I say this in a, in a, in a way? I mean, it helps you get promoted. It helps you get right. respect. It helps you get, you know, all those things in the military. It's yes. part Grounded, of being, focused, it's part of your job. Focused. Yeah. Yes. It's part of your, part of your job, you know, and a there's <laughs> a mandated yeah, there's, part. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and you know, in the morning we would do hit cardio and then we would do like, you know, military training and then in the evening, we do weightlifting. So, like, almost the entire freaking day, minus, like, eating and stupid, like, PowerPoints or whatever you had to do, we were almost always doing physical. Like, our lives revolved around physical activity, especially when we are getting ready to go to Afghanistan, for sure. Yeah. So, um, Thank you for that. I had to ask you another question. How did you love wearing your jumpsuit, and how did it feel to be pinned? And do you still have marks from when they probably pinned your wings on you? Uh, they did punch me uh, for the blood wings, uh, so I did have that happen, but I don't have the marks. Um, I got my jump wings when I was 19 years old um, for Benning, Georgia. Um, and then a month later, I went back to Benning, and I went and got my aerosol wings. Oh. Um, yeah, so like Wait the last... Minute. You just took the surprise of the show and said that air assault is actually different than being a paratrooper, and you're both? That's yes, remarkable. Is. Thank yeah, you, so, Jordan. Yeah, so most people in the army, you know, the the airborne wings, um, they're familiar. They understand what it looks like. Then there's air assault wings, which go below the airborne insignia, uh, but that's repelling from helicopters and jumping out. Yes. No, it's repelling from helicopters. Sorry, that one they say is harder than airborne school um, because you actually have to do half a marathon in the rolling hills at where I was at was in <clears throat> Fort Benning. Yes. So what happened was I graduated airborne school and um, I think it was like 10 days later, I got a call from somebody and they're like, you know, it was within my command and they're like, Hey, do you want to go to air assault school? And I'm like, yeah, I do. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but the army only has a certain amount of slots. Right. So those slots are very competitive. And then if they send somebody, and they fail that slot, I've heard that they actually get less slots in the next fiscal year. Right. 
So if they send, you know, let's say 10 soldiers and half of them fail, they may only send them five. Right. Not to mention the promotion process. So tell us about your highest rank before you decided to separate honorably from the U.S. Army. I was a E5 sergeant and I was promotable to E6, but I never had time to go to BNOC uh, because I was going to school. So BNOC is like, I think it was like three weeks or something like that a month. And I always try to get to, you know, I was like, eh, I didn't make a big effort to go to BNOC because I was like, okay, you know, the wars, <laughs> once again, <laughs> the wars are over and like, you know, I'm just fulfilling my contract. My second contract I filled out when I was in Afghanistan, um, I did it for civil affairs. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my bonus over there and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, I could have, I easily had enough points to become a staff sergeant, but I just didn't go to the required E6 school. So I never, never yes, became so an E6. Said, the army yeah. will be a part of your life forever. And now we have to get into some of your hobbies outside of physical fitness. Do you have any pets? Oh, I wanted to go back real quick to, to bodybuilding. Sorry, because I didn't finish, uh, oh, I got off do. track with the chest and everything like that. But, Weightlifting is a huge, huge part of my life. Uh, mm-hmm. It always has been. It always is. It still is. Um, you know, I, I do carry Steadicam or cameras or whatever. And you don't have to be that strong, really. I see a lot of skinny, um, you know, Oh, let's talk about how much your gear weighs when you're, when you're on set and you're actually, you know, filming. How much does your rig weigh and everything? It varies. Your lower back must kill, right? Uh, yeah, it does, but it, it really varies. Uh, but ultimately my camera package, I own a red Monstro, I have DZO Cata zooms, and then I have, um, a steady cam. So it really goes like this. If somebody wants <coughs> to hire me, excuse me, uh, if somebody wants to hire me, you know, I usually shoot with my camera. I can shoot with any other camera. It doesn't really matter, but ultimately they're, you know, usually trying to save a couple bucks, and my camera is amazing. I own an 8K Red Monstro. It shot Hocus Focus. It shot, you know, the same camera that used Army of the Dead. Um, mm. You know, many different big budget uh, motion pictures were shot on that camera. So ultimately, uh, I shoot on that camera primarily. And then they're like, hey, you know, we talk about the lenses. You know, I walk them through, you know, what those things cost because, you know, if you rent like the lenses that are the top top tier movie lenses it's you know it could be like a thousand dollars a day to rent the, mm, to rent those lenses like no that's not exaggerating at all so um you know ultimately if they want to go with my lenses then then i have them or whatever but my my camera package uh with the steady cam and everything like that <clears throat> it's probably about like maybe 50 pounds maybe, maybe oh, 60 60 pounds but it's awkward too you know, like you're coming out there. You don't have to be a bodybuilder to be a steady cam operator, but you should be strong to do long days. You know, like, right. You know, if you're like skinny and agility, not yes, really, course. yeah, the, yeah, whatever. Uh, I think you can't go as long. You know, you better be, you better get it <laughs> quickly because that right. thing is, you can get pretty heavy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it, it, there, it's it's a skill set. You know, you need to know how to balance it. You need to know, um, you know, how to move around with it. There, there's specific ways. But it's very similar to being um, 
uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but it's very similar to being like uh, in the military where you're holding a weapon and you're duck walking and you're kind of going like this and you're kind of going like that and you're going like this. and so it, It's very similar. You know, you're having a bulletproof vest and you have to kind of, that's how I was trained, at least to, to kind of come down here so you get hit center mass rather than, you know, anywhere else. So that's kind of how you're the walking. Part of this, the technical part again. of it, physical part of it, but really the visionary and creative part of what you yeah. do is so amazing. Because like you said, your specific unique talent is seeing the story, creating it, filming it, living it, directing it, fixing it, tweaking it until it becomes this final product masterpiece. And it could very well end up in the GI Film F Festival one time or even Emmys and all these awards, right? Depending on short films, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Tell us about some of your favorite genres in film that you believe in your future will come to pass. I just saw Maybe John Wick know. 4, uh, John Wick Chapter 4, uh, amazing movie. I've actually had an opportunity to speak to the director, um, and I got to see John Wick 3 a year before it came out, number three, mm, at Lionsgate incredible. with the director. And it's the whole team. We know, folks. <laughs> it was so awesome. Like they had just finished filming it, and uh, my professor was working on it, and he invited me to go see it. And it was like five days before Christmas, uh, the year the year before John Wick three came out, uh, Parabellum. And I went there, and they didn't even release a commercial. You know, nobody like they had just finished filming it. They had just assembled it, and I was invited to go see the movie way before everyone else and it was an, an incredible freaking experience and i think uh chad Solin uh stalinsky you know i might be butchering his name is an amazing director i mean john wick four was a masterpiece is is freaking such a great film L almost a little bit too long but i mean it is so amazing i love fight sequences if you look at my reel on my website, www.jordanmichaelmartinez.com, you'll see uh, fight scenes in there and stuff like that. Yes. I love doing action pieces. And it doesn't, you know, like I said, John Wick's a lot of shooting. It's a lot of slicing. It's a lot of punching. It's like, it's everything you could ever want in an action movie. And I like kind of stuff. High testosterone, you know, cool, uh, sock up, shoot them up, slice them up kind of stuff. Uh, and I like military, you know, movies. I think there's not enough truly good ones about the post 9-11 era. I do think there's a couple of them. I think The Outpost mm. is amazing. Uh, great, fantastic film uh, about o OEF in, in the Korngal Valley. And then I think uh, American Sniper is a fantastic oh movie. Oh my gosh, that's one of my well. favorite movies of all time. And it's do you find film. that when you're watching others' works, you're critiquing them in a positive way, and then you're also thinking about how you would have shot that scene or that sequence, because you can't help it since you're trained and you know you're in yeah. the profession. It's hard yeah, to absolutely. not watch the critic, you know, being a critic. I always in a positive yeah, way, right? I always look for cinematography stuff. Uh, for instance, John Wick when he's in the Osaka compound, which is uh, the first act of the movie. Um, you know, I'm looking at like, okay, they got their key, they got their fill, and then they have like this light that's like rotating different colors, you know, different hues. And, you know, I, I'm like, okay, that's how the cinematography in John Wick 4 is masterful. It really mm -hmm. should be nominated for, for cinematography. It is like on the scale of Blade Runner 2049, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, extraordinary cinematography. 
but yeah, I'm always looking at stuff like that. I'm always, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to learn and be like, oh, I want to be like this. How do I make my stuff look even better? Oh, here's the thing too: is a lot of it has to decouple down to budget. You know, That's like if I'm say, talking to depends on the caliber of the film, right? Absolutely. Like, um, I had a conversation today with a, a producer, and you know, he's trying to cut down my budget. <laughs> that that I'm, you know, I, and I I think I'm very conservative. Like I'm very conservative. I, I if I try to get you, if I have the ability to get you something for cheaper, I will go for it. I will negotiate for it. Or if I can even get a, a light for you for free, I will do it. You know, and you know my price range is negotiable. And I'll uh, you know if I understand that you're you know trying to save money and this and that, I will work with you. You know, I want to. I want to do this job. You know, I, I'm in this because not just because I'm, I, I need to make money. I'm in this because I want to be there on set. I want to film this thing. I want to be cinematographer or right. whether it be the director. Yes. And I want to make a beautiful image for you. So it's a passion thing too, but you know, yeah. they know that and they all sometimes, you know, they try to whittle you down a little bit too much, which is unfortunate, but that's life. Um, but yeah, no, the, I, I love Roger Deakins. Uh, had opportunity to meet Roger Deakins. Uh, Dean Kunde is is really great cinematographer as well. Uh, there's there's tons of great cinematographers. Uh, David Fincher's cinematographer Jeff Cron Cromwell Crom Cromwell. I think he's a great cinematographer. I think his his stuff is is amazing. It's got a style and look to every single one of his films. Um, it's very sleek. I like that filmmaking. I like clean technical uh well camera movement fast pace filmmaking i don't like um uh, super arte kind of stuff that doesn't look good and it's just steady you know like What's moving boring? around and just you know <laughs> ugly or no i like the, the the cinematic stuff i go to the movie to escape I, and, and, and the movie looks better than real life. And it's supposed to look yes. better than real life. Yes. It's not always supposed to look... It's not really fun to look normal. If I want to see normal, I'm going to go out to Hollywood Boulevard and, you know, <laughs> just walk around. But yeah. I want to actually have a movie experience that has its own tone, its own color palette. John Wick, every single set, has different colors, different color palette, different lighting schematics, amazing production design, amazing environments. They're in Japan. They're in Paris. I feel like I'm a John Wick commercial over here. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're in Japan, Paris, New York City. You know, they're all over the place. And that is freaking awesome as hell. Um, you know, obviously, so this is a big thing a lot of people don't know about, but virtual production sound stages are taking over the, the film industry right now. Mm -hmm. And what they are are big LED screens, and they use a ton of it, I'm sure, for John Wick and Blue Screen. <clears throat> because you can't exactly fight in the middle of downtown Paris, you know, and they have this huge freaking fight with cars, and they're <laughs> shooting each other, and dogs are biting people, and, you know, all this crazy dope stuff. So, you know, you, you have to do that in a stage. You can't do that with a rotunda and all this other stuff. So they shoot as much as they possibly can to you know fool the audience and then the, the, they do the rest in the blue screen but yeah i mean uh these virtual production sound stages it's what they shot the mandalorian uh, why that thing is oh, all right, in a, right. 
Yeah, that whole like almost the entire show is shot on a virtual production soundstage. Yes. You know, the props that they're on. Yeah, they're interacting with the props and they have the puppet and you know the baby Yoda is a puppet for most of the time and this and that. But the entire show is in a huge stage with mm-hmm. LED walls. And it looks better than um than compositing green screen or blue screen um for for visual effects so that those jobs are going to be obsolete probably in the next i don't know i mean 20 years or there'll probably be still some stuff here and there but it'll be like looked at like um like film you know it's pretty much obsolete at this point so well you have blown my mind again on the christina silva show jordan michael martinez our very special sme who just off the top of his head, wants to thank his sister during Women's History Month and also Amber Martinez for their support of his works. You're amazing with your brand new website. It's stellar. I watched it and clicked around and learned about your work and your goals for about 30 minutes before the show. Beautiful website. I don't even know how long it took you to build it or whoever did. Let's thank thank some people on your team and get to how you ended up on the red carpet at the pageant. The Mr. pageant. So first, let's just wrap it up with some highlights from what we just talked about. And if anyone is listening that wants to get into film after they've served our country or they're young and they're aspiring to become part of the film industry, what bits of advice can you give them and then share your experience at the pageant? Take it away. Yeah, so I would give my advice to anybody that wants to get into the film industry. And especially if you're a veteran or even if you're not a veteran, you should go to school. Um, You should go to school because it's not only just the network, the people that you're going to get to know and hopefully build relationships with um, and connections with, but it's also about learning technical skills. Now, if you want to do what I do, which is cinematography and camera, it's actually very technical. Um, So there's a lot of things that you should know, and there's a lot of trial and error that you have to have um, and I, I would recommend going to, if you can, AFI, USC, or UCLA. Those, in my opinion, are some of the best film schools on the West Coast. If you're on the East Coast and you decide if you want uh, to go to New York, uh, Tisch, that's also a great school. There's, you don't have to go to these schools. It's not a, a mandatory thing. But I personally think if you want to learn cinematography or directing or even to some extent writing, it really they really have people there that are Academy Award winners, that have done this as a career their whole entire lives, that are giving you their lifetime knowledge. You know, they're either out of the game or at USC, a lot of them are still in the film business, still uh, working constantly. <clears throat> My cinematography teacher at USC was uh, the DP cinematographer for Sons of Anarchy. Oh, my. So, I rode motorcycles as a stunt person in Sons of Anarchy a couple episodes. You were? Amazing. Yes, I'm a stunt person. You didn't know? That's oh, why I, I met you at VME. That's oh, I, I met you at VME, guys. I ride motorcycles. <laughs> I, I've been riding since I was 19. We I have a Honda CBR. We raised a lot of awareness, I see, after we wrapped yeah. the show. I'm, I'm a hardcore rider. Yeah, 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 yeah. I ride riding? all the time. Well, I'm a paratrooper, so I'm used to flying. So I, I yeah, I have a Honda CBR. I've had a thousand um, or six. No collisions in my entire motorcycle riding. Like, was that one thousand, or did you have a six hundred? 
I have a 500. Yeah. Oh, it was 120 miles per hour, but Ooh. I need to get a 600. Yeah. Saves the 500 versus 600. 500 saves a lot of gas and it's oh a little bit goodness. slower. It saves a lot of skin so, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this yeah, is we should awesome. ride. We should definitely uh, ride. No, I'm down. Like, first of all, I love your bow tie. It was like the American flag. You're so you're so stellar in all your different looks, from your <laughs> uniform to your to your onset gear to get down and dirty to your workout gear as a bodybuilder and now dressed in almost a tux for this pageant. A pageant? Yes. Like I didn't even know you had it in you, but how did you get roped into yeah. sharing your voice on stage competing? Yeah, so um the, the, I got I got reached out from social media and they said hey would you uh be interested in submitting for uh this pageant uh, i didn't know much about it at the time and i submitted for it and i had seen some faces that i i, I recognized that i knew that i had heard of and i was like yeah this would be cool and and i you know i thought it was going to be entertainment i yeah so i got i went in kind of blind i thought it was going to be mainly entertainment and so i thought i was going to be competing against like you know singer i was at some point you know a singer and uh, but there was a different types of people that were not entertainment related which is fine but um it was a great great experience i highly recommend it it was really fun to be on the red carpet and um, meet a bunch of people that i had i had known before uh specifically from vet tv <clears throat> i had seen them and met them back in 2019 so i got to see those guys again and whatnot and and meet a ton of other awesome people so yeah yeah it was a great networking and fun events and uh yeah it was worth yeah. going to and showing you know some of the stuff that i do as well i got to show my reel and then i, I got to meet you so yeah veterans <laughs> and active duty members if you're out there listening to this the u.s naval retiree founder of the mr and mrs military pageant and showcase and his hill family is calvin hill and he had this dream and he created it more than six years ago, shelved it. It was supposed to occur in 2022. I was going to be on the red carpet giving back media to support his dream. And it made it all the way until 2023 based on some delays and what a perfect night. Otherwise, I would not have met you probably because I wasn't available in 2022. But they moved it to 2023. And what a great time meeting you and Amber and everyone else. Here's the question for you on stage you had a striking voice telling your story about why you were there competing and then you had the camaraderie with the other contestants how did it feel to meet Lou Rawls Jr. as a host the lovely Amy Forsyth of U.S. Navy and former Marine and the panel of celebrity and wonderful judges including Miss America Dr. Laura Purdy our next guest America's favorite doctor she's coming on the show shortly and Burke Floyd and the guys from Vet TV. How did it feel to be judged? Did you say Dr. Laura? Dr. Laura Purdy was one of the center line judges of your competition. Oh. Oh, She's amazing. Geez. She is a U.S. Yeah. Army combat nurse, right? Yes, yes, Dr. Laura. Yes, I, I remember her. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes, 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 yes. I remember her perfectly now. Um, no, yeah, it was. It, was that? Were you nervous when you were on stage? Um, the first time getting up on there, I was. Um, yeah, no, I, I, afterwards I felt pretty calm. I felt, you know, we were all talking backstage and it was it was not that nervous for me. Uh, the second and third time and whatnot, I felt pretty, pretty, pretty chill about it afterwards. It was it was great. It was great to meet all those people. Um, I should be more into the veteran community and knowing where, where all these different people are and influences are 
um, than I am right now. Uh, so I should definitely maybe, maybe get more updated on that. I am active on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was great to meet everybody. Everyone was really cool. I thought Riley was awesome. I think she's, she's fantastic. Um, everyone there was very talented. Um, the, the person that I was uh, competing against was a, is a great singer. He did a great job. Um, it was awesome that he's able to juggle active duty Navy and, doing music at the same time sure. so yeah it was just a, it was just a good good environment and good people to be around yes so. well we are all winners we all contributed our time to an evening of history again and i'm sure that I, you'll be competing maybe in the second annual mr and mrs military pageant and showcase maybe yeah absolutely that'll be a winner for real all <laughs> right so we are friends for life soldiers for life and we've had an amazing show with our cinematographer our competitive bodybuilder and someone that we can trust to know that film is a business but so is charity that's why he supported that american legion amazing organization during the pageant he was sharing his experiences and jordan i just want to thank you for coming on the show today because educating our veterans lives um, means that we educate them from all types of industries and we promote and inspire them to find film behind the camera or technically like you have done. So thanks for sharing your life experiences Thank you. with us. Thanks for your service. And I would like to have you back in the future when Absolutely. you're talking about your next film drop hitting yes, the big screen. So everyone, keep on tuning in. Take a little break. Get your coffee. Because when we come back, we're going to have America's Favorite Doctor live on the Christina Silva Show. And we'll say goodbye to Jordan, but make sure you check out his website at www.jordanmichaelmartinez.com. And his Instagram handle is... Jordan Michael Martinez. You got it. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Christina. Next week, you're welcome. And every week on Voice America's Variety Channel for educating our veterans live on the Christina Silva Show. Thanks for having me, Christina. You're welcome. And Semper Fi. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Christina Silva Show. Be sure to check back for new episodes every Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you soon. And Semper Fi.